Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menounos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. Our quote of the day comes from Wayne Dyer. If you don't already know who Wayne Dyer is, the second this show is over, YouTube Wayne Dyer and your life will change. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so that is Wayne Dyer. Today we're going to be chatting with his daughters, Serena and Sage Dyer, about how to find and listen to our inner knowing, how to stay connected with our loved ones who have passed on, and so much more. They, um, they lost their dad suddenly and, um, wrote this book kind of as a, um, an homage to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, it really was amazing. It was really helpful for me because I started to see a lot of the things that I do where I talk to my mom throughout the day or, um, just kind of the different feelings. There was just a lot of connection. So if you've lost someone that you love dearly, 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 I highly recommend this book called The Knowing, 11 Lessons to Understand the Quiet Urges of Your Soul. Um, 
I really enjoyed reading about their uh, upbringing. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk to them about that because in the book, they paint a picture that was literally like the home was just about love and free will. And I just don't understand that concept. (laughs) But like, honestly. No, like I don't understand how... So I really want to get into the nitty gritty with them. Like how, when you have a little kid, are you not supposed to like, how do you choose love over law? Right. Because when you're little, you need someone to like lay the law down with, you No, don't cross the street. You're going to get hit by a car. No, don't do this. But it sounds like they just said, you know, make your own decisions and we're here to love you and whatever. And it's like, ah! it just scared how? me. How? How? Yeah. How? Yeah. how? <laughs> Right. So, um, so I can't wait to learn about that, but, um, there's so much to learn from them because obviously their dad was, I mean, one of the more enlightened humans on our planet was, uh, an incredible teacher, guru, whatever you want to call him. I know some people say he was like the father of motivation, but, um, he was amazing. And anytime I listen to him on YouTube, so as you all know, by now I will go between Esther Hicks Wayne Dyer. Um, what else do I listen to in the morning? Yeah, it's just really them. Just those, yeah. Yeah, I just switch between those two. And I'm like solely him. I literally like every morning. Do you really? Uh-huh. Every morning, at least for five minutes. It was funny. I actually posted yesterday um, if anyone wanted me to send them the one I was listening to. And I had so many people. And it was so cool. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I have to or else my day's not okay. At least yeah. for five minutes. Yeah, it really sets you up. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm excited um, to, to chat with them about all of that. Um, meanwhile, um, it's sweater weather. Heck yeah, it is. <laughs> it is sw- sweater weather. Um, so wild. I've never actually been more excited for winter in my whole life. Actually, really? let me say this. I've never been excited for winter. That's the God's <laughs> honest truth. I've always hated winter. I am so happy to be out of the nasty heat. I know. I think it really just got to like a, a massive level this year, like a, a whole other between the mosquitoes and the, the heat this I summer. I fully agree. When you lived in Seattle, was it cold there? Obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah. Portland. I mean, the thing, the thing about I mean, Seattle. Wait, Seattle, Washington. Washington Portland. <laughs> Close Portland. enough. I'm, my brain's dead. Whatever. <laughs> the thing about Seattle that's funny is like, people just think it's rainy. rainy. And that's what people think. And it's like, the thing about Seattle is it's not like a, a constant coming down of rain. It's one of those things where it's like, it looks nice outside and then you walk and it's, this little spit and you come back drenched always. And you're like, what the hell? A little drizzle, little dri- constant drizzle. So yeah, it was like, it's always gloomy there. Yeah. That's not good for your personality. Did you get seasonal effect disorder? Massively. Me too. When I was in Boston. Massively. Do you know what I used to do in college? My roommate taught me this. She was very influential. Um, I, she would get peanut butter, like the thing, tub uh, of peanut yeah, butter yeah, yeah. and a Hershey bar. And dip it. Oh, yeah. And then she taught me that. And I was like, whoa, this makes everything so much better. It really does. No, all I would want to do is like curl up with my mom's risotto and like never, ever move. And hot chocolate and a bottle of wine. And like, yes, anything to make you happy because you're so unhappy with the weather. Truly. But now this is extreme. I've been saying 
all summer. We live in Vegas and nobody realizes it. It's this true. is not LA anymore. This no. is Vegas. It's desert. So where are we going to move? Australia. I don't know if I could be that far away. Although. Okay. How about. Although. <laughs> maybe that would be great. <laughs> Hawaii. We can talk to the Dyer sisters about Hawaii because they yeah. spent a lot of time there. I've heard Hawaii is tough medically. See, this is the problem for me. Where am I going to go to have the level of care I have in California? Boston is good care. Okay. I mean, like the East Coast, New England, whatever, but they don't have, I mean, my doctors are amazing here. I know. And that's the thing. Like when I went to the doctors recently, I was like, oh, I don't know after. And also like I'm old now in the sense, I know I'm not saying <laughs> I'm, I'm like, old, you're not old, but, but like in the sense of I, I'm used to this now and to change all of that, it, that's like a big adjustment now at my age my well they know old you. age of 43 you're not old but it's true it's like they they know you and once you it's hard to establish that mm-hmm. so when you do losing it is like oh absolutely not yeah Mm-mm. yeah i agree with you it's tough it's really tough if it would just not be 400 degrees here every summer see here's the thing maybe we just need to leave during the summers and go to connecticut that's what i was gonna say or i need to bring you to seattle in the summer <laughs> Ooh! kill me no there's no better place. I swear to God, I would live there every summer. Yeah. The problem no is, is Seattle isn't close to anything. At least like in Connecticut, if I have to work, I can go to New York, pop back. Like it's just. There's more hip happening in Seattle these days. I've never in my entire 23 years had any job bring me to Seattle. Okay. Never. Not even the news where the news happens everywhere. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, it's close to, it's close to LA. It's closer to LA. So I'm I bet it's like the same dead. amount of time from New never. York. To Connecticut. I've worked in Wisconsin. <laughs> I've worked in um, Butte, Montana when I interviewed the Obamas. I've Hilarious. never had work take me to Seattle. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shit so, happening there. I think summer's in Connecticut because we had a really good summer. Yeah, we Summer, did. fall. Summer, fall. Like when it's unbearable here, like July, yeah. August, Way September. July, August, September is is Connecticut. We're going to have to bargain because I'm telling you, Seattle, ooh, in the summer. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. More time. Yeah, right. And listen, so Kev- nice. we don't have a studio there. Well, that's true. Hello. That's true. Good point. Keep dreaming. Unless <laughs> Deb and, and your dad want to start building. Doug could do it for sure. Um, and so, Deb and now too. that Kevin like redid my dad and he redid the house, it's so nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a glimpse when I was back there and I was like, holy moly. Yeah. Crazy gorgeous. Um, 
And of course, like, yeah, it's going to be so good. Anyway, let's get into our chat with the Dyer sisters. Um, So to millions of readers around the world, Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer was the beloved father of motivation, but to Serena and Sage and their six siblings, he was simply dad, dad, excuse me. Uh, When he passed suddenly in 2015, the sisters were blindsided by grief and felt unprepared to navigate life's challenges and conflicts without him. The experience launched them on an adventure from loss to understanding as they came to realize their father's teachings with a new urgency, intimacy, and power as they applied them to their lives. As their journey unfolded, they realized their father's wisdom, the knowing, was embedded in their DNA as it is for all of us. We're so excited to learn from them and tap into our inner knowing today. Serena and Sage, thank you so much for being here today. So excited to chat with you. Thank you. Hi, thank you for having us. Where, yeah, we're so excited. Where are you guys right now? I'm in <laughs> upstate New York. I live in New York City, but I'm at my in-laws in upstate New York in their uh, storage room. So that's why <laughs> that explains my background. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm in Fort Lauderdale in my Airbnb because we moved and our house is getting gutted. So I'm in a one bedroom condo with my whole family kicked out. Nice. You kicked them out for this? Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Um, well, ladies, I have to say, I um, we were going to do this interview um, maybe like two weeks ago or something, and I read the book yeah. then, and I was like, <gasps> it was so amazing, and I had such... Um, I, I was so excited to chat with you and um and I'm excited to chat with you today, but it was it was kind of the right time for me. So it it's funny. I'm glad I read it then. I I try to read it right before the interview so it's fresh. Um right. but I'm really glad I read it then because I had just my mom passed um May 2nd and I just had gotten a, a medium connected me with my mom. Crazy story, but my mom reached out to a medium who I've had here on the show, Marianne DeMarco, and told her I need to talk to my daughter. And wow. so she was like, uh, I don't do this. I don't reach out to people. This is, you know, not, you know, the huge, but she um, connected through a friend, Gabby Bernstein. And so um, lo and behold, I do this connection with my mom. And so I read, I was connected with her there. I read this book. I felt so many similar things to you girls, like, and did so many different things where, um, I just felt 
some similar similarities in the journey. And it was just the right time for me because one of the things that stuck out the most, I mean, there was a lot and we're going to get into it all. The one thing I think I held on to the most was you decide how long you want to sit in grief. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's exactly how it was worded right now. And you guys can tell me, but yes. I remember the story of the man whose son had died and the next day he went out. Yeah. He said, choose sooner. So yeah. Can you explain that? Explain that to everybody? Because I just think right off the bat, that was the thing that stuck with me. And there was like, almost like a light switch went off in me and it's right. now been maybe two weeks. And I feel like I'm getting over the hump of just that deep, deep grief. Amazing. Yeah. Um, that, that story held to me so much too, in the early days after my dad passed away, he used to tell this story in his talks. And I also heard him tell it to, uh, people who had just lost somebody. And it's a story of a man who, um, he had gone off to war and his father got that knock on the door that nobody wants to get to. And he was informed that his son had passed away in battle. And um, it was a small town and everybody uh, heard the news and knew that this man's son had died. And that night he went into the town and he went dancing. He went to a party and he was celebrating. And a neighbor came up to him and said, I just don't understand. How could you be out here celebrating and dancing when you just learned this morning that your son passed away? And his answer was, sooner or later, I'm going to have to move on from this or it's going to kill me. And I'm just choosing sooner. And I told myself those words over and over again in the early days that my dad passed. And I want to sort of explain and reiterate that that doesn't mean that you don't grieve. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that feeling that grief, it's important to have that sadness. But every day you can choose sooner. You can choose joy and you might go back to the grief and you will go back to the grief, but you can also choose to have joy in that moment for part of that day, for part of that hour, whatever it is that you're capable of. And I just, I told myself that a lot because I remember feeling um, almost guilty when I would be moving on with my life. You know, I, it was, um, our, our dad passed away August 30th and I was starting grad school, um, like after Labor Day. So just like maybe a few days later. And, uh, I felt guilty if I, if I went back to school, because I was like, it's only going to be a few days. Even if I took the first week or two off, it was still like, should I do this? Should I go back to school? Um, or do I need to take more time? I'm going to have to explain myself to people that my dad had just died. It felt so fresh. And then I just kept remembering that I can choose sooner. I can choose what grief looks like for me, the timeline of grief. And when I would remember that, I would think, of course, my dad would want me to go back to school because I felt ready. You know, some, you might not feel ready and that's okay too. But um, yeah, I, I, that story helped me so much in the early days after losing my, our, our dad. And I just want to add on to something that she said um, when, when she said it helped her to move on. Um, what that really means, and I, and I know, you know, this, cause you read the book, but for us, what that really means is to move closer to him, mm-hmm. not move away from him, but to move closer to him because the grief, um, the sadness, the pain, the loss, the suffering was in some ways keeping us disconnected mm-hmm. from what we knew was the energy he was, uh, just exuding now. 
and the energy that he was exuding now, which I think, you know, I speak for Sage and I, when I say we both believe all of our loved ones, when they transition to the other side, they're all exuding this energy of love and of peace and moving away from grief or moving forward is really about moving closer to them. If that's what you want to do. Yeah, I love that so much. So I'll tell you, if nobody, by the way, if the interview ended there, I think we helped so many people (laughs) because I know how much it helped all of us. Um, I think that, um, you know, for me, my mom passed on, it was Greek Easter, Sunday morning, May 2nd. I worked May 3rd. Wow. And that was like, at first I I looked at my husband, I'm like, obviously I, I can't do this tomorrow. And he's like, well, why not? He's like, why can't, why can't you? And I go, well, I mean, I, I don't know. And he, and then we, we kind of talked about it and I said, yeah, actually, am I supposed to just cry all day and all night or would four or five hours be okay to actually, you know, distract myself for a little bit and have a little bit of peace. And, you know, the situation was that I was hosting something for, um, uh, the digital networks. And so they had already set up in my library at my house. The cameras were there. The people were there. They were ready for this. Now it's like the day before, how are they going to get somebody to come into my house now with COVID and do this? It was just like, there really wasn't a way out. Always there's a way out, but it would have really screwed up everybody. And so I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I'm really glad that I did. it. I worked all that week and it was a, a healthy distraction in those days, it helped me kind of instantly kind of get back up. And, um, and I think, you know, life is going to move on no matter what we think and what we feel in those moments, life is going to move on. We have such a kind of, um, an interesting perspective on death, I think in our country. And I've been, lucky to be exposed to people who have different perspectives where they're like, no, this is, by the way, there's birth, there's death. It's all going to happen. And, you know, you can have a a, a connection with them when they're gone and it's all going to happen for all of us. Why do we find it so shocking every time? (laughs) And so, and so many people, I think what you were saying about the kind of the mood, the mood around death in this country, so many people um, have this idea that they honor their loved one by staying sad mm-hmm. and that they, they, the more sad they are, the more committed they are to their grief, the, the more love they must feel for the person that they lost. And Sage and I were raised, you know, with very different spiritual <laughs> parents and our dad, when he lost his mother, um, he was holding her ashes and saying, a poem from Emily Dickinson that basically said, um, surely my mother is not just this quiet dust, just, just this dust. She is here and everywhere. She is. And the poem talks about, um, uh, I can't remember it. Off the top of my head. Quiet. Yeah, this yeah. quiet dust was gentlemen and ladies, lads and curls, laughter and sighing, frocks and swirls maybe if something like that he just recited the poem but anyway i remember when he was all right friends let's talk about something we all do snack trust me i've definitely overindulged in the past but as you know i am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Doing that thinking of course, she's not just this quiet dust. She is the um, the the soul, the energy that she was when she was here. She's just not in the physical form. Mm-hmm. But isn't that what all of us are? Aren't we all uh, existing before we incarnate and existing after we leave the body? It's the soul that is really living. Mm-hmm. And our time in the body from what we were taught is um, it's our earthly classroom. And some of us need more time in the classroom than others. And I I mean, I had to accept that because I lost a child. I lost my, well, my stepson, he was 19 and, um, and to lose somebody as that's a teenager. My husband had raised him as a single father his whole life. I had been um, in his life since he was 10 and he died from an accidental drug overdose. And I did not feel the same way about grief when I lost Mason, my stepson, as I did when I lost my dad because I had no regrets in my relationship with my dad. And I knew how much I loved him and how much he loved me. And he lived this incredible life. And so the, the pain of the loss was very different. I did not feel that level of acceptance when my stepson passed away. I felt unworthy of even mourning him because Mm -hmm. I knew that I had not been the best stepmother that I could have been for all of those years. Um, But it was actually something that my husband, in the process of mourning his only son, his only son at the time, told me. Yeah. And he said to me, Serena, after your dad died, you said that if you wanted to connect with him, you had to become like what he what he now was or where he now was, which was, as as we said before, a place of love and joy. If you want to connect with Mason you have to come to him with that as well. And I just kept saying, I can't, I'm not, I don't feel worthy. I don't deserve to feel good. I don't deserve to feel loved because I could have been better. And finally, after a few weeks, after he passed, I started to think of this one funny memory I had with him, with Mason when he was alive. And, um, and as I was falling, falling asleep, I, I had this, thought of this one funny memory that of Mason and I, and I fell asleep, smiling, laughing, thinking of him. And that night he came to me in a dream. Yep. A real visitation. And he put his hands out and I said, can I touch you? And the reason I did that is because our friend, Karen Noe, who's also a, a very gifted medium had already told Sage after our dad died, that when you have a dream from a loved one and you, you touch them, it is a real visitation. That's Ooh. one of the ways you can know. And so I said to him right away, can I touch you? He put his hands out. I helped him. And I said to him, do you forgive me? And he said, yes. And I said, did you see all the mean things that I did? 
while I was in your life. I am going to cry. And he said, yes. And I said, do you love me? And he said, yes. And I said, do you know that I love you? And he said, yes. And then he said, before I go, I have to tell you one thing. He said, new teachers are emerging. You must remember that. And for the longest time, I did not know what that meant. But I did understand the moment I woke up from that dream and wrote the whole thing down, I understood that what my husband reminded me was true, that I did not have to stay committed to feeling guilty and bad for all of the silly fights I picked, the times I got on his case about sitting on the couch in his sweaty clothes after lacrosse practice, or the times I yelled at him for leaving his dishes in the sink. I did that a lot but I did so much more than that too. And, and once I had that, that ability to connect with him without the guilt, I felt so much closer to him. Mm. And I actually understood that he came into my life and I was in his life um, because he was one of my greatest teachers. And if I would have told you anything before he passed away, I would have told you that I was raising him and I was teaching him. And it was after he passed that I understood that he was raising me. He was teaching me. And he had less years that he needed to accomplish what his soul came here to do. And now I can say how lucky, how lucky that his soul got it and got to go home, which is a totally different way of looking at death. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, so what do you feel like he taught you now? Like, how have you changed since that? I mean, I know that he's given you a piece with the guilt, but, you know, we all obsess about stupid shit all the time, right? Like, I remember with my mom, I would get short with her sometimes about, like, I wanted her to keep moving. And so I was like, mom, if you don't keep moving, like the body's going to get stiff, it's going to stop. Like, please, we got to keep moving. So I got my moment. I made sure I had my moment with her where I apologized to her for any time I was short because I knew I would feel guilty about that stuff later. And she was like, Maria, come on. (laughs) And she said exactly what you just said. She goes, any of those moments, Maria, forget about it. She goes, all the good you did makes up for everything. And so I think that's basically what Mason was saying to you too, that you weren't acknowledging the good. It's like, you're just thinking about the bad. Um, And I think he was reminding me to have self-love. Yeah. And I think he taught me about self-forgiveness. Because I think in some ways it's the hardest thing to do is to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that... um, I I had this feeling toward his mom of just like, I really just harshly judged her, his, his biological mom. And the moment he passed away, I had to make the call to her to let her know. And because my husband couldn't do it. And um, the love I felt for that woman and that I have continued and consistently felt for her from that moment forward reminded me how important, how truly important it is to leave the judging to somebody else, to just love like God loves as many times, as often as you can, 
without judgment. And I can do that now. I could not do that um, before. Wow. And I, I think that when we go to the other side, you know, where Mason is now, where our dad is now, you can, uh, they can so clearly see the difference between those human moments of losing your temper or getting mm-hmm. caught up in silly things versus who we really are in our core, which is pure love for each other. And I think it's hard when you lose somebody because you do harp on those moments, the fights or the, you know, when you lose your temper, especially when it's a child and those types of relationships, but that's not what they leave here with. They leave here with the love. It's the same thing that our loved ones leave behind to us. It's that love, you know, we're not thinking about, um, you know, I didn't love my dad's shoes and his clothes. I loved him. And that feeling that I got from him, I can access that at any time. Um, and, and the stuff yeah. doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm so curious, Maria, to ask you if when you connected with that medium from your mom, mm-hmm. was, was that what your mom was telling you? No, cause she, we had had all our talks. So I'm also okay. friends with John Edward and he just kept telling me from the second she was diagnosed, you guys are supposed to have a lot of conversations. You're supposed to have your conversations, have your conversations. So I was at peace with everything I did. I was at peace with, you know, I, I, I made, you know, I, I asked for forgiveness. I apologize, whatever it was. And, and truthfully, it was, it was small. <laughs> it wasn't like yeah. there was anything big. It was just, you know, me getting short after a five-year battle with cancer here and there because right. it was hard. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but she, when she, and before she had passed, so there was this one moment when the tumor came back and it was really bad. And, um, and I just went and I kind of, instead of being quarterback, I became a daughter for a minute and I was like, I'm really scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Cause it was all on me to like make everything. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Can I get some tissues in here? Cause I have none. Um, and she just said, and I recorded everything. I filmed everything with her so I can go back, which is so great. And she said, I just want you to remember if something happens to me, she's like, I'm not scared. I don't care. She's like, I'm fine. It's not that she didn't care. She just was calm. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) She's got bounty towels. Perfect. Um, She said, if something happens to me, I just want you to promise me one thing. And I said, what? She goes, always keep smiling. And I think. What a mother. She was amazing. I think that we, when we go into kind of what our society thinks. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. 
T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Grieving is, and it really is the show for everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. guilt that we harbor, like if we look like we're having fun, if we look like we're not sad. There's so many emotions tied around what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to be like. And I know my mom doesn't want me to just sit and wallow, let my life go to shit. Like she doesn't want any of, of that. Not. Your yeah, dad no. definitely didn't want any of that. Yeah. Really anyone who had any kind of love for each other doesn't want that. And when you're right, when they do go, they ascend to places that none of that stuff matters. There's just like when I connected with my mom, the first thing she wanted to tell me was how amazing it was. Like the, the, the journey in the last three days as she shifted into the other realm. And I had a list of notes for questions. I had a list of questions for the medium and for my mom. And I had voiced them to my mom out loud before. I go, mom, prep for the interview. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> and one of them was, I want to know what it was like. And she knows I'm a super curious person. That's why I do what I do. And she was like, it was unbelievable. It was beautiful. But similar to... I don't remember which one of you had this experience, but um, there was something your dad had left you guys. I forget what it was, if a note or a video, but my mom had left a video and I knew she was like me, that she would leave videos, but I couldn't find it right after she passed. And then I think it was like just the day of the funeral, I found it finally and it was in her phone and she's just filming. It was like she's filming her feet because her brain was not like, working a hundred percent. Um, and she had said, um, guys, it, it's amazing here. It's so beautiful. You can't believe it. She was talking to me from the other side. Oh Oh my God. In this video. Right. And, and she was like, it's so beautiful here. And, and just, and I got it the day of her funeral. It was the craziest, most amazing gift ever. Um, that's incredible. And she yeah, reiterated I mean, yeah. the same things in, in the medium call. <laughs> right, we both had I mean, I, yeah. things like that. And I believe that, um, that when you are, you know, like your mother was sick at the end of her life and she probably was transitioning back and forth, you know, a few times before she made that final transition. Um, our, our dad's dear friend, Anita Morjani. I yes. don't know if you've read She's her She's been book, here many times. Her okay. story is like been life-changing Incredible. for me. Yes. Right. And so I, I, I thoroughly believe with my whole soul that you don't, you know, that you can sort of transition back and forth when you're in, when you're close, you know, when you're close to the end or in Anita's, uh, you know, example in her life, how she came back and just had this full, turnaround miracle. And, um, but she experienced the other side. And uh, when our dad met Anita and learned her story, and it's a whole crazy story of how they met, which I'm sure she's told you before, but um, he talked about so much how excited he was for death, just like it sounds like your mom did too. And I think knowing that about our dad gave us that permission to be in a state of joy to choose sooner. You know, I remember one thing my dad used to say so much um, in his talks and that it really resonated with me was that, you know, we come here with a round trip ticket. All of us do. Mm -hmm. Every person that's born is, has a birthday and they have a death day. And 
we celebrate the birthday. So, you know, a birth of a child um, is a miracle and it's beautiful and, and nobody questions it. And we continue to celebrate it for our entire lives. But then so many of us spend so much of our life fearing that death day, that return ticket, you know, um, either for ourselves or for our loved ones. And uh, I think it's that's what we do as a society. We've just made it. It's an inevitable event in everybody's life, but we've made it into this insurmountable, like unconceivable thing that we just fear, fear, fear. And if you can turn that on its head a little bit, I think it's hard. It's for me, it would be impossible to erase all of the fear around it. But if you can just contemplate um, that we all come here with a return trip ticket. So it's coming, it's happening for all of us. And maybe it's something to be celebrated um, and not to, to question with our egos that one person came for 45 years and this person came for 80 years and this person came for 15 years. You know, it's hard in our human sides, but if you can get in touch with that idea that it's all on time, it's all in perfect divine timing and stop resisting. One thing you said um, when you were talking at the beginning about how you chose to do your work the next day because life goes on. And I found so much uh, of that in the early days, like I could either resist this, you know, I could fight it and I could stay stuck or I could go with the flow with it. I could really dive into what is grief? What is now my life look like without my dad? Where can I find the joy today? You know, and when I did that, when I stopped resisting and I just surrendered to my circumstances, that's really when the miracles started to show up for me in my life. Signs. I, I felt like I could connect to my dad. I felt like I would hear him saying things to me that made me laugh in my head. You know, um, it was when I stopped resisting and when I just surrendered to what was happening in my life. And How I feel like that's guys... often so where the miracles take place. I want to help people figure out how to look for the signs and how to connect with their loved one. Because I had a hard time. I was super connected with my mom and I'm super connected with God. And it was like, after she died, I felt connected, like disconnected completely. And it took a minute um, to get there. But I wonder with you both, how, how did you find your way to connection to reconnection, right? Because it's a new connection. Um, and right. how do you kind of um, explain that? And, and the signs, right? Like my mom's video was a sign that day, I know, going into the funeral. Um, and uh, and I know you guys have had so many experiences like that. Yeah. So um, before our dad passed away, he sent us every year around Christmas time, he would send us um, something that we either had to read or watch and basically write a report on if we wanted to get like Christmas money from him. And so he sent us this DVD of himself and Esther Hicks and oh, um, the conversation. Yeah. Conversation they did where he was talking to Abraham and um, we all wrote back to him, you know, because we all wanted the Christmas money, what our favorite part of the video was. And I wrote back, this is eight months, nine months before he passed. I wrote back to him and I said that, um, the thing that really stuck out to me the most was when Abraham was describing how after Esther, who is a channelist for, you know, a ch channel spirit for those who don't know, after she lost her husband, Jerry, um, she could not connect with him. And she was depressed, anxious, stressed about her inability to feel him mm -hmm. because if there's anybody that can feel spirit, it's her. Yes. And, um, 
And she was, she was spiraling into a depression, into a, a fear because of this. And her, her spirit guides, Abraham, gently reminded her that where Jerry was, was now here. And where she was coming at him was now here. And he could not lower himself enough. And she could not raise herself enough unless she made the effort to become like what it was she was seeking. So what was she seeking? She was seeking Jerry. And where was Jerry now? He was up here. When she thought of him from the place of love, her energy raised, as Abraham explained in this DVD, she was vibrating at a higher frequency and she was able to connect with him instantaneously. And I wrote to my dad that that was such a reminder to me that we do not get in life what we want. We get what we are. And if I want to attract anything into my life, I have to be like it or else we're just going to keep not connecting. Right. So when my dad died, I, I was on the phone when his assistant D discovered his body. Um, and I was crying I to... reading all of this, by the way, like I <laughs> yeah, felt like I was, I, writing. I was yeah, in the too. moments with you guys, like just, I, I wrote, Oh my God, I'm the whole book is written on. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was for me, I didn't cry when I was on the phone and she was discovering his body. I honest to God, I can tell you that it was the closest thing I've ever felt to having like an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. It was like, I knew that I was receiving the news that my dad died, but I still didn't process it. I still kept thinking like, well, I'm going to call him and tell him about how he died. Um, And it wasn't until much later that I got back home and I said to my husband that I wanted to be alone. And it was the first moment I was alone from the moment I got the call to hours of letting people know, letting family members know, arranging travel for my brother from Nicaragua. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Sage from New York. Um, I just started sobbing and I said, dad, if everything you taught is real, you're going to have to give me a sign right now. Like it's got to be a real sign and it's got to be legit. And I've got to know it's from you. And it can't just be like, you know, like a little butterfly flies by. I need like light bulbs to burst or something. And, um, and nothing was happening, nothing. But somewhere in my mind, I kept hearing, listen to his podcast, listen to his podcast. So this is the first time in my entire life I listened to his podcast. 
I opened the podcast app on my phone. I typed in Wayne Dyer and I hit play on the first one that came up. And it was uh, him talking to somebody about a parent that was sick, that was terminally ill. And it was about 15 minutes. And I thought it was really nice to hear his voice and to hear his advice. But it was also really, really poignantly painful because I was just starting to contemplate that I would never hear it live again. Mm, I remember what he said now. That's so crazy. Go ahead. Yes. And at that very last 10, 15 seconds of this podcast, right as I'm about to close it out, he says, now to everybody listening today, if you could take a moment and send my daughter Serena some love because she is going through a hard time. And that was it. And I just started laughing. I literally snotted out my, my, I just started like snotting, like sneezing, laughing, crying. I was like, dad. And all I kept saying to him was, I can't believe you pulled it off. I can't believe you pulled it off because he talked about the next phase and how this was a round trip ticket, like Sage said, and how he's excited for the next part of the journey. And I just didn't think that that was actually ever going to happen. As crazy as that sounds, he was mm-hmm. larger than life for me. And I didn't think that I could really even picture life without him. And I just kept saying, okay, dad, okay, dad, I am committed from this moment forward to finding, connecting, learning, and discovering you and our relationship in a new and different way. And that does not mean that I didn't have grief and struggles and sadness, but from day one, minute one, I had an openness to receiving the signs, not in the way that I thought they ought to come, but in the way that they just came. So whether that was just paying attention to that little voice that Mm -hmm. said, open the podcast, open the podcast. I had never done that before. Yeah. Um, Wait, I, that's I how I found my mom's video, actually. Oh, shit. I had been looking for her video the week before she died. And the day of the funeral, something said, go to her phone. Oh, my God. I forgot. That's what it was. See, and, that right. was and that's her that's, nudging you. That was her yeah. nudging me. Guys, this is so crazy. But you know what I realized <laughs> is no one... Like even me, I, when when she would be at different junctures of her illness, I would ask God, God, show me the way, show me what I need to do with her now. And it would happen. It would come. And I trusted and I listened, right? So that's why I say I have like such a good connection. Like we were in flow together. I was like, God, what do I do? Okay, boom, it would show up in the most random of ways. But I, I, I got the sign. And there was one moment when her tumor came back and I said, God, I'm really scared. Show me a sign, like a white bird. I, I just want to see a white bird because they're rare. And I, I know that will like stick out to me. Give me a white bird um, to let me know she's going to be okay. So soon after I'm taking my mom for a walk and she, you know, she's barely walking, barely walking. And we're in the yard. And I said, mom, and she's got her walker and I'm with my friend. Let's go outside. You haven't been out the doors. Let's go out into the neighborhood. We walk by my first neighbor's house and I look and I go, oh my God, a dead white pigeon, pure white on my my neighbor's lawn, beheaded. Oh my God. Wow. 
And now I'm having a complete meltdown because I'm like, right, right. okay, what that's my mean? sign. This is the most fucked up way to get a sign ever. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I do with this information? My mom's like, Mario, what's the matter? And I go, uh, uh, well, I asked God for a sign that you were going to be better. And that's the sign, but that's really freaky. And so my friend with her thick Boston accent goes, well, Maria, maybe it means like whatever's going in on in her head is going to be gone. Cause my mom had a brain tumor. (laughs) And by the way, we did, we healed her. We reversed the tumor. And so she had, I mean, another year and a half. The only reason we lost my mom was because she got COVID. But we had actually shrunk the tumor. Shockingly, the doctors were even shocked. Um, But it was was just crazy. So now I'm thinking as you're talking about this, and as we're talking about signs, and this is so helpful, I know, for everybody to hear, we have to ask for them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to say. Because for me, like in the early days after my dad passed away, um, I found myself really questioning because growing up, I I believed in what my dad taught about, but I was also skeptical, you know, and it also just didn't apply to me yet. So I always called myself a skeptic and a believer. I, I wanted proof, you know, and after he died, I, um, I kept waffling between those two mindsets of like, I believe he's still with me, but how do I know for sure? Mm-hmm. You know? So I asked, I said, I'm going to need some real hardcore <laughs> signs for me to be able to shift to like a full-blown believer mindset. And um, I also got a really crazy one in the early days after he passed away. So I had been traveling with him in Australia uh, for the three weeks before he passed away. I got home like August 28th. He died August 30th. Um, On that whole trip, it was was his publishing company. It was a speaking tour paid for by his publishing company. So we were in first class tra- traveling international. Oh, and, yes. Um, I remember this story, too. Yeah. <laughs> and so on every flight, you know, me and my sister Sky were on this trip with him and we were flying first class on every flight. We had never flown international first class before. So we're getting like these lay flat beds and champagne. And it was just this incredible flying experience. We had like probably six or seven flights with um, these awesome first class seats. And our dad was in first class with us and he would um, on every flight he told us that his, uh, his travel agent knew that if C2B was available, that he was to put him in C2B just so he could make the dorky joke of, am I in C2B or not to be Hilarious. Just for that moment? Hilarious. <laughs> Cause he was a dork with <laughs> his humor. And, um, so he was in C2B on pretty much every flight of that trip. And that was something I didn't know about my dad before. I think it was a new thing for him. And then fast forward to, you know, uh, he passes away. Uh, August 30th, just a couple short weeks later. And we were planning our trip out to Maui, our whole family, because that's where he was when he died. That's where his body was. And we all just really felt like we needed to get there as soon as we could. So uh, we all booked flights out to Maui and Serena and I flew a couple days before everybody else with her husband and her six-month-old daughter, Sailor. And um, Serena and I booked our tickets together. The night before the flight, Serena called me and said, Uh, I'm going to upgrade my ticket to first class because um, it's not that expensive and I'm so tired and I just feel like I really need a comfortable seat. I want to rest. And she had her six month old on her lap and she was like, you should upgrade yours too. We were on different reservations. And I said, "Uh, no, I'm not going to do that because in my head, I'm thinking, I know why she wants me closer in first class. She wants to pawn her baby on me the whole time. Hilarious. So I was like, no, I'm going to stay in the back. I'm so tired. I could sleep standing up. I'm just going to stay in coach. I'm not going to spend the money. 
And she was like, okay, whatever, you're going to miss out. And so we get to the airport at like 5 a.m. the next day. She checks in, she gets her first class uh, tickets and she's showing them to me like, are you sure you don't want to upgrade? Like, well, you know, teasing me with her with her first class. And I was like, nope, I'm going to be fine. I go check in the, you know, the lady types at the computer. She takes my bags, all that. Then she hands me my tickets and she says, enjoy first class. And I just like look around and I'm like, wait, what did she just say? Should I say something? Because then I'm like, maybe this was a mistake. So I just sort of take my ticket and walk away. And I'm like, Serena, did you upgrade my ticket? And she's like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, she just said, enjoy first class. I look down at my ticket, seat 2B is the one I was put in. And and I did not pay for that. Yeah, I Serena did not assured me she didn't Hilarious. pay for it. Well, we know who did. <laughs> Yeah. And there was never an explanation for, I I didn't have status on that airline. It was an airline I didn't fly very often. And um, I just knew in that moment that my dad had somehow done this for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like what he was saying to me on it, I started to cry because I felt that he was saying to me on a deeper level, I'm always taking care of you. I will always take care of you. I I was 25 when he died. And I felt a little bit like, why did you leave me so young? You know, I wasn't married. I didn't, not that I had to be married or or anything by a certain age, but I just felt like he left me before I was ready. I don't know if you're ever ready, but I had milestones I needed him with me for. And so I, I had that sort of, uh, that line of thinking going on. And I felt like in that moment, he said, I'm always taking care of you. I'll never leave you, you know? And I got very choked up. It was emotional for me. I remember reading about your trip, with your dad leading up to, cause it was right before yes. he passed. And I was like, God, what a beautiful um, thing to get that time with him. I felt so blessed. And I simultaneously felt guilty because not guilty. It's not the right word, but I just knew that my siblings didn't all get that. It was just my sister Sky and I that were there for those three weeks. And I felt so immersed in his work because we sat through probably 30 hours of lectures in those three weeks because he was giving full day mm-hmm. lectures. Um, and I felt so lucky to have had that time and to really be so immersed in his work. Um, but I also felt bad that my other family members didn't get that. But don't but we you all look got back now? Times. And I obviously don't know Sky's relationship, but I can already tell... Serena was already going to have a different experience than you. I think you were the one that needed to have those lectures under your belt, that time under your belt. Is For Am sure. I right? Yeah. And Serena yeah. had taken many trips with our dad other yeah. places. It's just that it was those few weeks yeah. right before he passed. But it's so yeah. true. I did. I, I needed it. Like I said, I was a skeptic and a believer. And just witnessing, you know, sitting in the audience of one of my dad's talks, elevated your energy, whether you believed in what he was saying or not, you left those talks feeling inspired, feeling good, feeling closer to God. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I got to have that time that I did need that really gave me that boost and positivity that I needed in those days after he had passed. And I also turned to his work. I felt, I remember recognizing how blessed we were that we had hours and hours and hours of his lectured tapes that we could listen to at any time. And I did that in the beginning. Not everybody gets that. And I realized how blessed we were to have that. Well, and one of the things um, that I can tell you is that Sage is four and a half years younger than me. Um, And my dad and I had just written our first book together. So I had been with him so much Mm -hmm. and worked with him so much that 
the God's honest truth is that if I could have picked to be with him those three weeks or for her to be with him, I would have picked her because I had four years yeah, longer than she did. And mm. I would have done anything for my younger brother and sister who I absolutely smothered and mothered their entire lives. Um, <laughs> I would have done anything for them to have more time with him. Um, and I would have done anything to have more time with him as well. But one of the things that Sage did um, is, is as a result of having been on that trip with him, which enormously impacted all of us, was that because she was so freshly immersed in his work, she started going back and rereading a lot of his, his books yeah. and listening to his lectures. And she discovered that, um, I mean, I could, yeah, could no, yeah, I could tell you, um, I discovered something really incredible that also shifted me from the skeptic to the believer. It was another thing that was just too, it, you know, too much of a coincidence. Our dad used to say, there's no such thing as a coincidence. You know, the, the term literally means, uh, it's a mathematical term that means two angles that fit together perfectly, but we've taken it in our language to mean two things that happen by accident, but there, there are no accidents in a perfect universe. Um, so anyway, when he died on August 30th, our, my dad was really into numbers his whole life. And so was our mom. So is our mom. Um, and, you know, he he was really into the number 18 and he loved seeing the clock at 1111. And he had a thing with his social security number and all this, you know, numbers were really meaningful to him. And um, so when he died and the date was August 30th, I kept thinking like, there's got to be meaning to this date. If there was meaning to his life and if his death was on purpose then there would be meaning to the day that he chose to leave only because of who just my dad like was your mom just like your mom with greek easter yep right yeah I, and i knew there would be something more to it and i don't know that that is going to be true for everybody but just because of how important numbers were to him i knew that it would be for him and i i wanted to figure it out and it didn't add up to anything and um anything significant like didn't add up to the number 18 and things like that and uh, so I, I sought out to figure out what this date meant. And I started reading his book, I Can See Clearly Now. And just to give you a quick background, our dad had, a, uh, had no relationship with his father when he was alive. His father walked out on his family, him and his two brothers and his mother, when he was uh, just a baby coming home from the hospital. So he never met his father. He never knew him. And his father was an alcoholic and he was not a good man. He was not a good husband to my grandmother. And our dad spent his entire life, um, well, first searching for him. He wanted to meet him. He wanted to, as he got older, as he was a teen, he really wanted to meet him, have a face-to-face conversation with him and just say, how could you leave me and my my two younger brother, my two older brothers and my mother during, you know, the time of depression and all of that? How could you walk out and leave us to, you know, fend for ourselves? And um, he would have nightmares about him, about finding him and beating him up. And just, he just was full of rage for this man who was his father. And he couldn't fathom that he never took an interest in his family after leaving. He learned eventually that his dad had died and, um, and he had already, he had still been searching for him, even though he had been dead for a couple of years. And he eventually learned he had died and that he was never going to get to have that conversation. And that was a tough pill to swallow but it also didn't end that rage. He still had rage in his heart for his father's hatred and all this resentment. So he eventually, through a series of really crazy coincidences that I'll probably get wrong, so I don't want to say them, but he wrote about them in his book. Uh, he winds up at his father's gravesite, and um, 
and he 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 finds out where his father's gravesite is, and he goes there with the intention of literally pissing on his grave, of screaming at him, of having that conversation that he wanted to have his whole life. He's like thirty five at this point, uh, thirty five years old, and so he goes there, and he does that. He has that you know, he, he screams at him and he tells him how disappointed he is in him and how much he hates him. And he gets all of that out. And then he finishes and he goes to leave. Um, and as he's walking away and walking back to his car, something comes over him and tells him to go back to the grave. And, uh, you know, and he could have ignored that voice, just like we were talking about, you guys could have ignored these voices to, to get those signs. He could have ignored that voice, but he chose to listen. And he went back to his father's grave and tears just started streaming down his face. And he felt overcome with love and forgiveness for this man who was his father. And he said out loud, from this moment forward, I send you nothing but love. I forgive you. I love you. Um, and he left the grave, you know, a hundred pounds lighter. And uh, from that day on in his life, everything changed for him. He got a new job. He, you know, he got out of a relationship that was keeping him back. He, his entire career took off. He wrote your erroneous zones in like two weeks, which was his best-selling book of his career. It was also the best-selling it's what, you know, started his career. And it was the best-selling book of the entire decade of the seventies. Anyway, the date that he did that, that he forgave his father at his father's grave and his whole life changed August 30th, 19, 74 or 75. Come on. I know. And he says in his own words, in his book, I can see clearly now, which is considered his like autobiography. Um, if you were to ask me what the most significant day in my life was, it was the events that took place on August 30th of 1975. Um, and it was the day that his relationship with his father changed to take on an entirely new meaning. And, and his whole life changed from there. And I thought, when I read that, I was like, holy shit, you know, this is insane. <laughs> like, yeah. I figured it out. I called my whole family. I told everybody I figured it out. But when I sat there and thought, so, okay, so I figured it out. But what is he telling us by leaving on August 30th? And what I mm, felt. Oh my it meant God, yes. Yes. <laughs> is, He's saying, you know, this is the day in my life that my entire, that my relationship with my father changed to take on a whole new meaning. It's not the day my relationship with my father ended. It changed. It took on a whole new, you know, of essence, everything. And for us to, to view it as the same thing, it's not the day that my relationship with my father ended. It's the day the relationship with my father just changed to take on a whole new meaning that we still have a relationship that can still be fostered, that, that it still exists. He's still here in my life. It just changed. And I have to choose to still tune into him, to still and, know that he's with me. Right. And, and, and to, because you asked earlier, you know, like what, how do other people do that? I think some people might be listening and think, well, you know, uh, you guys have these spiritual upbringings or, you know, you had um, access to great spiritual teachers or to great mediums, or, you know, you had all this stuff that was given to you. So of course it made it easier. How do I find the signs? How do I look your experience with the death and the loss of a loved one is up to you. And you can decide to become open to the signs, the messages, the synchronicities, however they come, or 
you can close that door and say, it's not real. I don't believe in any of it. And that's what you will experience. Or you can say, I will believe it only if, which is what I had been doing, only if this sign comes on this day at this time. I am attached to how the sign comes. Therefore, if it doesn't come in the way I've decided it should, it's not a real sign. That's a way to do it where you're going to be missing out on on all that they are showing us. Mm -hmm. And for me, I I get so passionate about this because I've had so many friends that have lost a loved one. Um, I had one that I wrote about in the book, and she was just dead set on this idea that her mom was not giving her any signs. And she even did a reading with one of my all-time favorite mediums named Sarah Renee. And after the, the reading, she called me. She was like, I don't know. I just don't know if I believe in this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, if you recorded it, listen to it in a couple months, maybe your feeling will be different. A year, a full year later. Now, this is 16 years after her mom died. Hmm. A year after she does the medium reading, because I convinced her, finally, you've got to just become open to this. She listens to it again a year later and she calls me and she says, everything she said was coming from my mom, but I was not in the place where I could hear it or I could receive it. And then she goes, so I was talking to my mom and I was talking to her just, you know, about this one memory that we had. And I was saying how, um, this one song always reminds me of her. And I was telling my mom this out loud in the car and she goes, and the song came on the radio and it's an Eagles song from like the seventies. Hmm. She goes, is that a sign? I was like, <laughs> I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> yes, that's a sign. It's like, what do you, want? you want like, literally people want the shooting star to fall on their head. Yeah. Because we, we become so convinced that we know what is best for us. We know what the universe is, should be offering us. And when it's not in alignment with what we think we should get, we become closed off to it. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that um, that your experience with having your mom be sick or, or getting, getting a, a, a brain tumor leading up to her passing, and even though she reversed it, I do believe that that in some ways um, allowed you to start contemplating how you would connect with her if you didn't have her here. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is why you you got those messages and those signs because you had some, some level of preparation um, or some level of awareness that it might be coming or that yeah. it might happen. All right, we're going to stop this right there because this is becoming the longest conversation I think I've ever had on this show. And it's really because it's a subject that is very... Um, important to me and um, we're just going to leave it here for this moment but we are continuing it so there is a part two and um, I hope you join us in the meantime be nice people make good choices and be present Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. 
Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.